This is Wayne Goldsmith, and welcome to Sports Thoughts. I've spent 25 years traveling the world, working with some of the world's best athletes, coaches, and teams, trying to discover what it is that they do, how they think, and what it takes to be the best in sport. Subscribe to our newsletter at wgcoaching.com to keep up to date with my thoughts on sport. Okay, welcome to Wayne's World. It's Wayne's World with Wayne Goldsmith. Yes, back for 2020, one of our most popular segments is Wayne's World with Wayne Goldsmith, our coaching guru. Look, I'm really pushing it out here, Wayne. It's the 5th of February. Can you still say Happy New Year? Mate, any time I talk to you, it's a happy new day, and I haven't spoken here for a few months, and yeah, so I mate, why not? Happy New Year, Piney. Happy New Year, Wayne. Great to have you back on board in 2020. We've been uh, been looking forward to getting you back on the air in your in your regular slot. Looking forward to uh, discussing all sorts of sporting matters with you across the year and uh, and talking about uh, a planned trip to New Zealand as well, which we're very much looking forward to. Wanted to uh, start the year off um, near you know at the top of the performance pyramid, I guess you'd say. Uh, and you suggested we have a chat today about high performing teams and why it's still important to make sure that they continue to be high performing by examining them. Is there a tendency, you know, uh, amongst, uh, I guess, coaches and coaching people to to uh, to focus more on teams that aren't doing well rather than ones that actually are doing okay? It, it's, it's an interesting one, Pioneer, isn't it, that I've been in the consulting game for uh, well, 25, 26 years, and it's very rare that a team that's winning or a coach is working with an athlete who's just broken the world record it's very, very rare they ring up and say, Wayne, we're going really great. We've just won. We've achieved our goals, and we need you to come and help us get better. Inevitably, I get called in when teams are battling and struggling and they're desperate looking for solutions. But, you know, mate, I, I, I honestly believe the teams who are winning, I know it sounds counterintuitive, but the teams that are winning have got to be better at changing and improving than the ones that are following. There must, though, be a resistance to change when things are going well because, you know, the old adage, Wayne, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, and that, that's held back so many teams and even businesses, Piney, I think, over the years that people go, look, I, I've worked hard, I've finally got success and now I've got the secret. I've got the key, you know, I've got the the magic miracle way to be the best and I ain't changing that because it's too hard to find it or it costs me too much money to get to this point. And there's almost a fear of change when you're actually at the top. And mate, it's so dangerous, Piney, because when you win, like just imagine a team like the Crusaders or the Sydney Roosters or Richmond in the AFL that that nobody wants to know, hey, what did the team who came sixth did? No one's sitting around in October going, hey, guys, let's study everything the team who came fifth did. They're there looking at the videos and the stats and the games and the coach interviews. They're looking at what the winners are doing. And so everybody spends more and more time trying to rip down and understand what you're doing as the winner. They know more about you than you almost know yourself. And in that environment, you've got to be better and change faster because they'll catch you quicker. 
If we talk about the the, yeah, the other teams, the ones who are trying to catch you and the fact that they, they do examine you, um, they can copy what you do, can't they? But is that enough in itself just to just to copy what they see from you? That's the key, Piney. You've hit it. That's the key, mate. That that no doubt. And 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 knowing Super Rugby teams as I do, when they've sat down and done their planning, October, November, they would have gone. What are the Crusaders' uh, pass completion rates? Ah, oh, ninety-two. I don't know what they are. But let's say ninety-two percent. And they would have said to the defending players, the attacking players, the coaches, guys. If the Crusaders are doing completion or tackle completions at 87%, we're going to do 89% because they're the benchmark and they're the best team. And everyone then says, all we've got to do is hit their numbers. If you like, we've got to hit the what that they're doing and we'll beat them. And it's 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 a, a, a recipe for disaster because the reason teams are so good has got a little bit to do with what they do, but it's how they do it. It's their culture. It's what they do every day. It's the thinking behind it. It's the why they're doing it and how that fits into the overall. But, mate, we're like anybody, you know, we're geared to look for one. How many times have you been in a pub? Probably knowing you a lot. But <laughs> how many times have you been in a pub and someone will say, you know, I reckon the Crusaders are so good because they've got big forwards. Or, you know why they're so good? They've got fast back. Everyone wants a one-line, simple answer to the question is, why did they win? The reality is it's it's an integration of many, many things in their culture. And, you know, you're dead right, mate, that people have looked at the stats and they go, oh, if we get that right and we match their stats, we will beat them. But it, it's like saying my car will go faster than yours because I've got new wheels. Unless I've got a better engine and a gearbox and transmission and better fuel and I'm a better driver, just changing one thing doesn't make a difference. Mm. When you are on top and when you've been consistently on top, like the Crusaders have, if we use them as an example, um, everybody must lift against you, right? You know, when you play the Crusaders, that's your cup final. So if you're the Crusaders, you're playing week after week of cup finals. That has to take its toll, doesn't it? It does. It does. And there's an aware. I know when I've done work with teams that have won premierships in the past, in the pregame, that's talked about a lot. You say, guys, we know... This team has done, they've improved, they've gone, let's say they've gone from 10th to 4th, they're coming for us. And they would have spoken in the off-season about how do we compare against, if it's the Crusaders or the Roosters or Richmond or wherever it is, how do we compare against them this year compared to last year? Well, last year they beat us by 40. This year, we're going to get closer or we're going to beat them. So they know that every time they go out, you're, mate, you've, you've smashed it again. Every time they go out, someone's saying, they're the best, we want to be the best, we have to lift and prove ourselves against them. So they've got a a team coming out highly motivated, very, very focused, because that's that's a a very clear guideline to see how much they've improved in the off-season. And, you know, you win a premiership, it's fantastic, but you might as well change your jersey it's just a big white jersey with a target on it because we're a target <laughs> yeah. every week. Yeah. And in terms of the players and the team, I would imagine it would be a lot easier uh, to motivate a team who is chasing uh, the, you know, chasing the Crusaders. The team has gone from 10th to 4th and thinks, hey, this is our time. How do you motivate a team that is just so used to consistent success? 
Yeah, that's the, that's probably the most difficult thing of all, and you, you're dead right, it, mate. It's easy. I mean, we you try things like uh, you know these little throwaway lines that should be on t-shirts. You know, the, uh, guys. You know, it's great to be number one, but prepare like you're number two. Or it's great to be the best, but you know, it, it, you're definitely right. It's easy to be uh, what we we talk about. It's easy to be a hunter than to be the hunted. And everybody would try to get in that hunting mentality. We're hunting the Crusaders. We're hunting Richmond. We're trying to chase them. The the, the simple thing is communication between coaches and players about what's important to them and how they can get better. Again, going back to that great line from All Blacks, getting better never stops. It's getting the players to say, yeah, well, that's good, but I could be better. I could be better at passing it. Quite often you'll break it down and say, yeah, man, your, your running game's great. Your tackling's fantastic, but there's an element of your game I think can get even better, and it's this. Professional players, mate, driven by two or three things, playing footy with their mates, earning money, but above all, getting better. And as a coach, if you go to them and say, man, you're doing a sensational, sure, you're a premiership player, but here's some things where I reckon your game could get even better than it is now, that's more than enough motivation for them. I was having a look on your website and, and one of the uh, pages that caught my eye was the performance clock and you call it the most important concept in high performance sport and, and therefore I presume that it relates to high performing teams. What is the performance clock all about? And this is of all the things I've done over the years, Piney, it's probably the most important thing. The thing I pull out most regularly when I'm working with teams, in, it, it just figuratively, and then, you know, if you're, you're listening, just draw a circle on a page. And the top of it, an old-style clock face, 12, and at the bottom, the number 6. And then fill in the numbers from uh, 1 to 12 around, just like an old-style clock face that you'd see on a wall in most homes and most businesses. And then I say to people, all right, imagine 12 is the best you could ever be, number one in the world, won the Super Rugby, won the World Cup. Sorry, the pain's probably still there. Um, You know, best of the best is 12. Six is the exact opposite. It's the bottom... You can't see any way out. You're desperate. You feel like there's no hope. Then I say to people, where do you think you are? Where do you think you are on the clock? So, for example, if you go, well, look, we've had some rough times, but some things are starting to come together and we're improving. We're about 7 or 8 o'clock. You might have made semifinals last year and there's a lot of good signs around the club, good leadership, good coaching, and good players where you're up around 10 and 11 and you're getting close. And I get people to, to do that quite often, uh, all in the one room at the same time, or I just get the coaches to do it. I Sometimes I'll get, if I'm working with an NRL team, for example, we get different departments to do it independently and then come together and say, well, we think medical's at nine, uh, we think physio's at 11, we think strength conditioning is at four, we think coaching is... So it, it becomes a point of discussion is why do you think you're there relative to your own best standards and start to work? And you know, the interesting thing is, the number of teams who go, right, we're 12 o'clock, we're the best we can ever be, we can't get any better, then you start to look and the year after they go to 1 o'clock. Now, 1 o'clock in this figurative clock model, in the performance clock model, says, yeah, well, maybe our best times are behind us and we're starting to slip a little bit. At 2 o'clock, you're starting to slide a little bit further. You're still coming up with excuses. Oh, yeah, a couple of years ago, we did well and we still know what it takes to be successful and we don't need to change and and so on. And the number one reason I do that point is to say to people, look, how many people have been at 12 o'clock and stayed there? Very, very few teams, which makes teams like the All Blacks and the Crusaders so remarkable. 
because around the world, very, very few people get to 12, commit to continuous improvement, commit to ongoing learning, commit to getting better, never stops, and stay at the top. Most people end up sliding, and then we get that ridiculous cyclic effect where I don't know how many times people have said, oh, Wayne, you know, success in footy is a cycle. You have years when you go well, and you have years when you go bad. Absolute rubbish. You have years when you go well because you're changing, improving, and getting better, and you have years when you're going bad because it's your own fault, because you stop learning, you stop changing, you stop trying to improve, and you're settled into that terrible seven-word sentence, that's the way we do it here. You settled into that resistance to change, and most of the time that's responsible for the slide from 12 o'clock all the way back down to six. I know that. I hate it when when someone says, "Oh, we're in a rebuilding phase," or you know, "Yeah, we did well, but we're in the down phase of our cycle." Absolute rubbish. So when you are at a 12, then, what I'm hearing here is rather than, you know, go past that and then your best days are behind you and you start sliding down towards the 6, if you're at a 12, are you looking at the parts of your organisation that are 8s, 9s, 10s maybe and trying to make them 12s? I mean, the story I like to tell about that, Piney, is, is a friend of mine connected me up with Mercedes-Benz a few or Mercedes, depends on the way you look at it, but he connected me up with Mercedes-Benz and, they, and, and it, it was like someone hit me in the head with a brick about the way that it, it really has to work in, in all fields of endeavour. The guy said, look, this is our brochure for the current Mercedes-Benz range, our current models, and they're fantastic and we love them and they're the best we can ever do. He said, however, next year's model is going to be even better, and here's a picture of that. And the year after that, the 2000 and, and uh, you know the 2023 models, they're almost ready to roll off, and they're even better. And they, even though they have complete faith and belief that what they're turning out now this year, these current models are brilliant, they've already got the next five years' models designed, engineered, and half-built and already tested. So they know that even though this year's model, and you and I will never be able to buy one, mate, but... This year's model is the best engineered in their view in the world. They already have planned that the following year will be and has to be better than this, and they'll sell that one as being the best and brilliant. And then, and all of a sudden, it hit me. You know, wow, they get it. So many of us just go, "It's this year's model," and once we put it out, we'll keep selling that for eight to ten years until people don't buy it anymore and we'll go broke. But the the, the organisations that are successful, no matter how good they're going to go this year, they know they've got to get better next year and they've already got that in play. And the, the footy teams, the sporting teams, that sustain success have got a culture and a system and a model in place that just sustains that success because they know even if they win this year, they've got to do better to win next year. And, mate, that Mercedes-Benz thing, it was like a bolt out of lightning. I went, wow, yes, I now I get it. Cheers, great to have you back on the radio, Wayne. Thanks for committing to us for another year, mate. Great to uh, to chat for the first time in 2020. Have a good week and we'll uh, do it again next Wednesday. I will, mate. Great to hear your voice and Happy New Year. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear more sports thoughts, subscribe to our newsletter at wgcoaching.com. 